welcome to the Red Raven Games Podcast, episode 34. I'm Ryan Lockett. I'm Brenna Asplund. See, I was like, wait a second. <laughs> Brenna went second last time. So does Brenna need to go second every time? I know, I hesitated. So I hesitated. And this is Mallory Lockett. <laughs> I guess it's like you fall into the rhythm. Well, yeah. I didn't want to like upset the rhythm because if Brenna went second last time and then I was like, and this is Mallory, then she would be like, oh, <laughs> I guess I shouldn't have gone second last there'll be, time. There'll be a contest next time. Like, <laughs> yeah. <"And I'm." laughs> yeah. We're going to race for it. Uh... Yeah. So it's just the three of us this time. And uh, I think uh, Craig was going to join us, but something came up for him. So. Whatever. He's secretly competing in the Olympic <laughs> curling event oh, yeah. in... Korea. Have you been, Brenna, have you been watching any Olympics? Only the figure skating. Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh. oh, we're missing <laughs> it. Oh, you were telling me. Didn't you tell me, like, that's something you're you're into? Yeah, I really like figure skating. Do you figure, figure skate? I don't figure skate. I just like to watch competitive figure skating. Mm. Yeah, I'm actually, cool. I've actually have been a big fan of Adam Rippon for a while. So now oh, yeah? that he's like sort of in the spotlight, it's kind of funny because, you know, there's some amount of possessiveness you have as a fan if you are into something before it's cool. Where everyone's mm-hmm. like, oh, Adam Rippin, like, oh, he's the best. And I'm like, no, I liked him first. <laughs> <laughs> I liked him you before, liked it before he got it was into the cool. Olympics. <laughs> well, now, does the Olympics feel like, uh, okay, so my dad is a University of Utah and BYU fan so he cheers for both of them unless they're playing each other and then he has to decide who to cheer for but is that what the olympics are like for you because you're like okay usa and canada except when it's usa versus canada what do you do honestly i kind of have certain competitors that i like more than specific countries ah so i was i was really happy when the figure skater from Spain came in third just because he's a really good skater and I've been into him for a while. Javier Fernandez is his name. He's been a top competitor in like men's figure skating for like a long time, but this is the first time he's actually gotten a medal. So, and he's just about to retire. So I'm like, I'm glad he got that medal before he retired, (laughs) you know? Yeah. Yeah. We've been watching, um, well, I've been watching every night um, a lot of different events and it's kind of painful to watch in some ways because you're seeing these these people that have you know they've been working for so long you know to get to this place and then they fall or they yeah. <laughs> it's like it's so painful to watch like some people fail but it's also really exciting to see people um you know succeed at the same time so i guess the stakes are high and that's what makes it exciting yeah that's always the struggle with sports for me is i'm always really happy for the winners but also really sad for the losers i'm like can't everyone win (laughs) i know (laughs) they all worked so hard (laughs) right (laughs) and they're all so good you know brenna's quasi communist olympics everyone gets a gold (laughs) yes everyone gets gets a copper medal forget the gold (laughs) participation yes no but uh fun fact uh my grandpa actually used to do competitive curling oh, back cool. in the day. Not like Olympic level, but, you know. Hey, I've always made fun of that, but I was watching a little bit today and thinking it's basically like 
ice's form of shot put in a way like yeah it's, it's really an intense sport for how sort yeah. of not intense it appears at first glance <laughs> yeah it's true and you know sweeping like that takes a lot of upper body strength <laughs> i'm sure yeah it does look kind of funny though i have to admit it does look kind no, of funny. no offense to curling fans <laughs> no worries but yeah uh curling is actually the only event that i saw in person during the 2002 olympics when it was in salt lake oh cool yeah had to go yeah. uh represent my canadian blood and go to the curling event and nothing else oh, of course <laughs> nice <laughs> yeah so um here at uh at red raven we've got a few things coming up we'll be at salt con in uh that's uh march 1st right that's a local game convention in salt lake and it's getting bigger yeah they're getting really excited <laughs> i just got an email blast that said they're giving away a free game to every attendee whoa that seems pretty big time that. yeah yeah um and so that's the first through the fourth, and then Gamma's coming up in Reno. So for all you store owners out there, oh yeah, Gamma is you. a, uh, it's a, uh, it's like an industry only show, but uh, you know a lot of people show new games there that they're going to release in the year, and that's in Reno. So and while and while Ryan and Mallory are at Gamma, I get to go to <laughs> South by Southwest. Oh yeah, <laughs> because, she got the fun job. <laughs> uh, why? Why are you going to? Because we've uh, been nominated for the tabletop game of the year at South by Southwest. Yes, and that's actually the voting for that is open now. So if you're listening to this, go get online and vote for us for tabletop game of the year, South by Southwest Gaming Awards. Yeah, I'm sure you you could just Google that. You'll probably find um, it. <laughs> yeah, but yeah, so. the voting is open until March second. But yeah, if you can spot me, I'll mostly just be wandering around the game show. So say hi if you see me. Yeah. And uh, so also um, at, here at Red Raven, I, I should give an update kind of on what we are doing. Um, we've been working on, I always say this, but uh, we're nearing completion on Haven. We're, <laughs> actually, we're actually going to have Haven with us at SaltCon. And yeah, we'll we be running a few events where people can get to play it. So, yeah, and uh, we yeah we've been working hard on that. Um, Brenna, you just uh, did a, a rule book layout for that. Yep. After I had done all the art, and uh, Mallory and I are doing, we're kind of finishing up, <laughs> looking at all the files, and uh, that'll be cool. And that'll be out um, before the end of the year. And we also have a secret game coming out uh, later this summer, but I actually can't talk about it. It's going to be really cool, though. <laughs> It'll be cool. I will say it has a really cool insert. I was going to say, can we tell them about the insert? Sure, we can tell them about the insert. We um, commissioned Game Trays to make a really cool insert for this new game. And it's plastic. It's got a few different pieces. Yeah. They do a really good job with fancying up that inside box so we're really excited and the for... insert is really pretty colors yeah it's yes. kind of weird colors like i would never have picked those just 
I think automatically. I think I was pushed in that direction. But, they look so good though. Yeah. Yeah, it's cool. not your typical black box. Yeah, it's not insert just like a black with insert. a couple of caverns in it. It's uh Yeah. But speaking of cool black things, can we skip to get to um movies that we have not seen at some point because I see that you're going to talk about well, We can't jump ahead here. I know, but I'm saying that point. <laughs> for that, we have to talk about movies that we have not seen okay, yet. Okay, sure. Because if you most do that. of the cool okay. ones. Okay. But, so, but yeah. just wait, audience. We are going to get there later. Okay. Don't worry. Yeah. Okay. So that's what we're doing. And of course, we're, uh, I, we're always working on a number of games. Um, it always seems like at the at the... In January and February, it's always like I tend to be running through a bunch of different designs. That's kind of like a time where I just have a lot of creative energy for some reason or other. I'm not sure why it happens in the dead of winter, but um, <laughs> um, you know, I'm I'm working on a bunch of different designs. We've got a bunch of irons in the fire, and uh, hopefully, we'll have more information about things that are coming up soon. So. Um, that actually leads me to my next um, subject, which I'd like to ask about. Uh, you know, there's always this question, like, how many games should we publish every year? And usually the answer to that is however many we can get through, <laughs> like as fast as I can possibly illustrate. Um, but, you know, you all, you, there's that question, like, how much, um, there's so many games coming out, you know, and part of me wonders if our releases should be, you know, we shouldn't just constantly like be looking in the past and like redoing old games, but we should be constantly working on new things and, and making sure that our bandwidth is focused on um, the best things that we can create now. But I don't know. What do you guys think? Do you think uh, too many games are coming out now? I mean, for me, I can't even, I used to know like every game that was coming out. And now I can't even tell you what's coming out every month. You Do you know? know, I think our culture is shifting a little bit too, because I remember when I used to anticipate things for months. And I know that still happens, but sometimes there's so much content and it's so readily available just in any um, industry that... I go and I look for something and then I eat right through it and then I'm hungry for more, you know? Yeah. Books, board games, movies, TV shows, music. So I, I, I find it hard to decide what I'm going to do uh, or what I would prefer to have done in those fields. Like, do I want to wait and wait and wait and wait and then have this fantastic release? Or do I want to have constant supply of new content because I'm so hungry for that? Yeah. When I was a kid, I remember thinking, well, like when when a game was coming out, I knew three or four years in advance, and uh, I would, you know, that's like the thing I was looking forward to for years. And things have kind of changed for me. That's true. Yeah, I'm the same way. Where uh, a lot of things I don't even hear about them until like maybe a week or two until they come out or like right when they come out and suddenly it's like oh there's this cool new thing and i'll jump on it right away but if it's like oh there's something coming out in like a year or something 
I might have forgotten about it by then unless something new comes up to remind me about it, you know? Right, right. Yeah, that's uh it, <laughs> that's how it is these days, I mean. And a lot of it's just so much is coming out that there's always something that I haven't played. I think you know? I think it's especially true for me because I tend to really enjoy like indie computer games. Like those are some of my favorite games out there. So that yeah. tends to be stuff that doesn't have like a big marketing budget. So it makes sense a little bit that I wouldn't have heard about it as much ahead of time. Like there's a there's a new indie game coming up that I just heard about that's coming out next week called uh, Where the Water Tastes Like Wine that looks so mm. cool. It's just like right up my alley. It's this sort of country western american historical magical realism weird horror <laughs> like storytelling game like focused on narrative in a really interesting way that looks so mm. cool and i'm like why didn't i hear about this before but i'm yeah. I'm glad i heard about it now is it just uh is it like an rpg or is it just mostly storytelling so how as far as i can tell because you know it's not out yet so i haven't played it but it seems like what the gameplay is, is that you sort of wander around the continental U.S. and run into these different characters that you can interact with. And as you interact with them, they will tell you stories and you can tell them stories. And then like later when you meet other people, they can tell you stories that you told to someone else later, but it's like grown in the telling. It's like become embellished when you hear oh. it again. It's like a tall tale sort of thing. Yeah. And then also there there's a sort of a small group of characters that you can run into repeatedly that have their own sort of continuous storylines. And then there's like just a bunch of other characters that you can have these small story encounters with. Oh, cool. Yeah, that sounds interesting. Um, I definitely am more interested in like indie computer games these days. So yep. I'm always... <laughs> you know, on the lookout for stuff like that. But but I think there's something to be said, too, for going back to the original question of sort of how many games a year should we put out? Like, it's yeah. true that there's there's a huge stream of content coming constantly from everywhere, but that doesn't always necessarily mean that the content creators are churning them out that quickly because there's a lot of different people making stuff. A lot of my favorite, like, indie computer games, since that's sort of what I was on are things that individuals or small groups of people have been working on for years and years before it comes out. Like a oh, lot sure. of time and effort has gone into it. So there's maybe something to be said about putting a lot of effort into making a better product to have sort of a, a bigger emphasis on that to make it stand out from the crowd of the constant content rather than just churning out sort of less polished products maybe yeah definitely i think there's a lot to be said about uh uh going about you know making things that way because it's like we have enough stuff <laughs> yeah well and that's the that's the bonus of how creative and how um full this industry is and any creative industry because you've got all these different people contributing and you get your you get your taste of 
you know, one company or one series and then, you know, they go back, like Brenna's saying, and spend months or years developing something. And then you get to delve into somebody else's project and somebody else's world. And then by the time the other studio has their project ready, you know, it's a year later and you're ready for them again. And you get to go back and forth and you're not constantly immersed in the same one series or the same one uh, designer or or world. So yeah. it, it makes for a really diverse palette. That's really right. true. When you when you have a wider variety of of like voices contributing to an industry, you get a lot of a wider variety of content too. You get a lot of new innovative ideas that you haven't heard before because they're coming from new voices that haven't been heard before, you know? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I feel like it's the same way with restaurants, right? Like we used to live in a world of McDonald's and Denny's and every new restaurant was just a variation on McDonald's or Denny's, you know, <laughs> and I'm not saying that the board game industry was ever like that, but we are definitely not like that now. You know, there's not just like the same feel as Puerto Rico coming out over and over and over again. Like our challenge in this industry is to constantly innovate. Because you really can't. You can't make a hamburger and fries over and over again in this industry because people have already played it. You know, they want new content or they want new theme or they want new art or they want new mechanics or they want all of it to be new. And and that's really fun and exciting as a creative studio, as it were. I mean, we've never yeah. referred to ourselves as a studio, but it, it makes it more fun to create knowing that the the audience holds you to that high standard creatively. Yeah, definitely. So um, what games have you guys played recently? So I recently played, a, you know, a small indie game, like what I play, called the Red Strings Club. <laughs> that was really interesting. It's kind of like a an adventure game. So it's story focused, but also has a lot of sort of simple puzzles and this really cool sort of pixel art style and like this cyberpunk setting that's really interesting. Oh, cool. So basically you're playing as a bartender in this like future cyberpunk city. And this bartender has uh, a magical ability basically to, to mix drinks in order to bring out specific emotions in people. So <laughs> that's so cool. Yeah, it's Sounds really very, yeah. <laughs> And that's what the puzzle is. Very so creative. the puzzle is figuring out how to mix the correct drinks to bring it out the correct emotions in order to get people to answer specific questions as you're like trying to figure out this mystery that's going on in this city. So how do they do that? How I mean, how is it measured? What's the So how it works is uh for every sort of like level that you have you'll you'll start to make a drink for someone and it will show you their portrait and then these different circles around their portrait that all are different emotions so you take the emotion that's your target emotion and there's you have these four different liquors that all will sort of move your cursor in different directions and then like putting ice in the drink will change the size of the cursor and stuff so you're trying to move the cursor to match the circle of your target emotion and then after you so you're get, like real time watching this unfold as you're mixing the drink 
pretty much. So, so it, well, it kind of pauses as you make the drink and then you serve the drink and then it's like a dialogue tree and you can ask questions. And if you've chosen the correct question to go with the correct emotion, you'll get more answers to help solve the mystery, you know? And then you can mix them a new drink to try to give them a different emotion to ask a different question. Wow, that's that sounds. That sounds uh, I've never really heard cool. of a game like that. So <laughs> yeah, it's it's really neat, and it has it has a really cool story too. I won't give anything away, but it's a really neat little neat little game. What's that one called again? The Red Strings Club. Okay, nice. Well, I would like to talk uh, about. Recently, I played Gloomhaven, finally, oh. which is the big game of the last, what, year and a half Yeah, <laughs> uh, that everyone seems to and be crazy about. not to overuse this word, because it's actually the way we should use it, but it is literally the big game of the year. I mean, we got <laughs> I know, this it's box. It's like the biggest game I own. It's, it's, I, I, I didn't expect it to be this, that big. It's almost as big as our car. Wow. <laughs> yeah, like we okay, had to, not that big, <laughs> it filled up the entire uh trunk of the of the car. It did. <laughs> I mean, yeah, how it's... can you not be satisfied when that is what shows up on your doorstep? Yeah. It was imp- it's impressive. Um it's a huge game. Um it's loaded with stuff. And I think the best way to describe it is um like Dungeons and Dragons in a box, the board game. You know, uh, honestly, it, it's like it's like somebody took Baldur's Gate and then took everything about it and converted it into a board game, and then and uh, it filled a huge box. So <laughs> it's cool. That certainly it's, sounds it's, interesting. Yeah, have you seen anything about it, Brenna? I've heard the name everywhere, but I don't yeah. know anything about it. Yeah, it's a big deal, but. Uh, it's it's cool. You it's a tactical game, you know, like like D and D, but it comes with a whole bunch of tiles, and a whole book of scenarios. And like, as you go through this book, you can um, play different scenarios, and each each one will have a different layout. And so you're using all these different rooms, and and each time there'll be different enemies. Um, I mean, honestly, it's like it's like Baldur's Gate, but just focused on the battles rather uh, than yeah. kind of everything else. So you kind of go from one battle to the other, but they do have encounters. So like as you go from one battle, as you travel, like there's a city and you can travel out to an encounter. Every time you travel, you'll draw from a deck of uh, of uh, like encounter cards. And uh, that's kind of a small part of the game, I would say, but it, it does bring in the story a little bit. And uh, yeah, it's it's huge. I mean, I'll never be able to even skim the surface of this game. Yeah. <laughs> But uh, it's been it, so far. It's been fun. I can see why. I can see why a lot of people are really excited about it. That's so. cool. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I have not played anything from anyone else recently, but I have been playing a lot of Haven. Nice. <laughs> and yeah. we uh, we revisited Ancient World too, which is um, one of our games that has, you know, had a constant small stream of people saying hey where's ancient world hey where's ancient world yep. well, we, we pulled it out and played it and gosh we had so much fun it's been like it's been years since we played that right yeah since i had sat down. I, I can't remember when i played it last it was a long time ago <laughs> i don't think i've ever actually played it oh yeah yeah um 
it's so I remember when it came out, people were like one comment I, I heard occasionally was like, oh, my gosh, this game's so mean and ruthless. And at the time I, I was shocked at it. I, I was like, what? It's not a mean game in any way. <laughs> because it was it was straightforward. And yeah. so to us, we were like, well, it's not. How can it be that mean if it's so straightforward? But yeah. we played it, and it's, then we were like, I, I, oh I, my I still gosh. don't think it's super. I don't. I don't think this it's super mean. This is more painful than we remember. No, it, it, <laughs> I, I don't think it's super mean, but it, it's definitely a tense game, and it it can be a little mean. I mean, you can cut people off, and it hurts. It can hurt them a well, lot I compared, don't... especially compared to some other worker placement games where it's like. It's a point salad and you can just do whatever you want and everyone just does whatever they want and they go through a whole tree of choices. Yeah. And, you know, that kind of game, I refer to it as like a point guessing game. Uh. It's really, I mean, like that's a really popular style of game where you kind of can just do whatever the heck you want and you kind of even ignore your opponents. And at the end of the game, just trying. you just... Uh, trying different yeah everybody just goes a, up a different path yeah. and then at the end like everyone's about five points apart and yeah. <laughs> no, but I'm... but ancient world is not that way you can really get in each other's faces but i'm going to disagree with you a little bit on what makes it a little ruthless i i didn't really feel like it was the player interaction that was mean i didn't think like yeah, the cutting off was like that. oh that's painful what it felt like to me was every choice really impacts the game yeah. and it's not even one of those games you know those games where you make two bad decisions in your first two turns and then you're just i mean you know that you're dead lost. the whole game ancient world isn't like that like you can still recover from bad choices but when you make a choice and it ends up being negative, like, ooh, it, can really it, hurt. it hurts. You're <laughs> like, oh, man, no, don't do this to me. And that, you know, you can come back, which is good. Like, I always want to be able to come back even if I screw it up, especially when I'm learning a game for the first time. So anyway, but it was fun. It was fun to replay Ancient World and to, you know, get reacquainted with the artwork from years ago and just... Get back into that. It's fun to go back. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah. So, does anybody have any other games they wanted to talk about? Um, we well, uh, on? on the tabletop side of things, I have been playing Blades in the Dark, which I think I've mentioned before, but I just had another. Oh, yeah. Yeah, I just had another play session of it on Monday with a group of friends that I'm playing it with. So I'm kind of running two simultaneous campaigns, one with my family and one with some friends. Oh, that's fun. So this is the one with the friends, and it was it was pretty entertaining. Uh, like, I feel like I'm really starting to get a hang of the system, and so are my players. So in this particular scenario, they're trying to rob a museum, basically. <laughs> and on the first floor of the museum... They ended up starting a fire, like kind of accidentally while trying to create a distraction. And then they <laughs> they actively chose not to try to put it out and just keep going to the basement. I'm like, you guys, you're giving me so much power as the as the DM here. Look at what you've given me to play with. I have this fire now. That's definitely gonna come back to hurt you. <laughs> <Totally>. <laughs> wow. 
So yeah, I'm really. So did they, so did they get stuck? Did they get stuck? Like the whole building was on fire when they came back up, right? Well, we had to we had to end the session before we got oh. that far. But yes, that's definitely what will happen. <laughs> yeah. You can't leave. You can't leave a fire. You going, can't just right? leave a fire. I mean, no. It's so funny because it would be one thing if they had like set the fire and then forgotten about it or gotten caught up in other things. But they set the fire and then they solved all the other problems that were going on and they were like, "Should we put out the fire?" Nah, let's just keep going. Whatever. No. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. that was pretty. That was pretty funny. Uh, one of the things I like about Blades in the Dark is that sort of. Everything that happens is based on the player's dice rolls. So, you know, in in games like D&D, a lot of the times the the GM will be making dice rolls to determine certain stuff. In Blades in the Dark, the DM doesn't roll any dice. But what happens is that most of the time, so when players attempt an action, if they get uh, a certain level of success... It also comes with some sort of complication or difficulty or like damage or something. So most of the time when players are rolling, they're not only determining what they're doing, they're determining what the opponent is doing or what the sort of scenario is doing against them. So like they can, you can get either like a complete failure, a mixed success or a complete success. The complete successes are really rare though. The most common one you get is the mixed success. So in like a straightforward battle scenario, when you get that mixed success, that means you're going to land your attack, but your opponent is also going to land an attack against you. Uh, If it's not in a battle scenario, then it's like, okay, you succeed in what you were trying to do. But in addition to that, it causes some other problem for you. So that's kind of what happened with the fire is the, the character who's kind of like an alchemist type of a character was trying to use some chemicals in a lighter in order to just make smoke to convince everyone that there was a fire to get everyone to leave the museum. But because she rolled a mixed success, I was like, okay, you succeed in convincing everyone there's a fire, but there is actually a fire now. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. So I think that's a perfectly executed. Yeah. That's fun. That can uh, open up storytelling possibilities. Exactly. Exactly. The focus there is on, is on moving the story forward and creating new complications while also allowing your players to still succeed and accomplish the things they're trying to do, you know? Yeah. Nice. Well, that's cool. I'll have to check that out. It's a good system. So we're going to move on to the last section of our podcast today, which is, oh, you know what we forgot about this? I forgot about this. So somebody on uh, Twitter was talking about how they would like to play an RPG in Arzium. Yeah. Which is the setting of a couple of our games, Above and Below, Near and Far, Islebound, and City of Iron. Yeah. And how fun that would be. So <laughs> we were thinking about, Brenna was talking about what we would do to design an RPG like that. And, uh, you know, I, <laughs> maybe it'll happen someday. I don't know. It would be interesting to talk about. But, uh, yeah. So what would your races be? I mean, obviously well, of we've got you, the toads the, yeah, and um, the hogs yeah, and the Cressarians you got to throw in there. Yeah. Maybe the, would go the lizards. There? Yeah. The oh, lizards. Yeah. Robots. Oh, and then... 
Rope. Oh yeah. You gotta robot. have robots. Uh, yeah, it would be an, a possible. Well, and then bird folk. If you're doing that, are you gonna do? Um, yeah. Uh, bird folk, and uh, I'm trying. Oh, oh, uh, of course. Uh, the fish folk. fish folk. Yeah, and you have Glogo. to. You have to have Glogos. Oh yeah. For I mean, sure. Come on. Obviously. Glogo. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, and I'm probably forgetting. Well, spirits. One or two. Oh, that's well, that true. That would be interesting. That's a good I, that would point. be interesting if you could let a player be it like a spirit. Yeah, like for a ghost. Sure. That would be cool. I think I yeah. think we could do that. Actually, one and of the, one of the players is a ghost in my Blades in the Dark game. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Cool. Is, do they do they let you? Is that like a, a possible choice? Like yeah, you can choose to be a ghost. It's kind of like a special class, so it's like not one of the basic ones, but it's one you can choose. It's really funny because I forgot she was playing a ghost, and then like they were trying to get into the museum, and she's like, "Can I just float in there?" And I was like, "Oh darn it, you can." <laughs> <laughs> can she? No. Let me ask this: Can she? like um pick up things and open doors and stuff like that she has to she has to use a special move in order to do it and she has to expend what's called stress in the game uh okay. which like if you get too much stress you get traumatized which is pretty a pretty bad thing okay. so it's kind of risky but yeah she can she can like she push can. her character in order to do it but like not normally okay so it's like a special ability yep. action yeah I think in the I think in this in our RZM RPG, I probably would go with um, like a a multi classing system. Yeah. So like instead of like you choose one class like outlaw, like you would choose two to start out, and then you would pick maybe a third at like a higher level, like at maybe at like level eight or something or ten, you get to pick a third class. And each class has their own abilities and and uh yeah, because like in it seems like in the art in the world of Arzium, um there's not it's not like as cut and dry like warrior um well, I mean sometimes it is, but I think it would be interesting to sort of just uh make it a little more open. I also think it might be really interesting because uh I think there's a sense, especially in the storytelling games of set in Arzium of this sort of very lived in world where yeah people aren't just these adventuring classes you also run into people who run mills or farmers you know so it might yeah, be cool if you like more mundane focus yeah it would be cool if you could incorporate that into the class system somehow that you have some sort of like I'm a warrior and also I'm a farmer and that's my double class you know oh yeah Mm. totally and the, and uh yeah maybe there could be i think i think there should be like a bit uh, uh like a village building aspect to it as well yeah for sure like there's like there was this ps2 game called dark cloud was that what it was called where you like go on you go out on adventures but you build up your town with the stuff you gather there's also it also makes me think of um final fantasy 14 the mmo Oh, yeah. Because, yeah, in that one, you can class as... You can kind of multi-class in it, because you can just level up as different jobs, basically. But some of them are stuff like Weaver or Architect that allow you to craft different things, as yeah. well as, like, going out and fighting. So, yeah, some sort of crafting system would be pretty neat to implement in a tabletop RPG setting. Now, uh, will we allow people to, like, 
with their um like with real money like a real money auction house where they can use their credit card to buy <laughs> um like time credits so they can like increase their crafting skill <laughs> yeah yeah good idea <laughs> yeah the, yeah and we'll set we'll mail them like little packs of i don't know cards that let them upgrade faster no i'm just kidding yeah yeah, <laughs> yeah that'd be cool yeah now now that we talk about it that would be interesting although totally like a different direction i guess some publishers do board games and rpgs like fantasy flight games yeah that's true but yeah and, that's, uh, i i feel wizards. like i feel like kind of our storytelling games already are sort of hinting towards tabletop rpgs in a way so yeah. doing a tabletop rpg would kind of be you know just taking it over the next step and i think we could still do one that kind of implemented a lot of the common mechanics from our board games like a lot of our board games involve pools of dice and like yeah. trying to get a, an amount of successes in a pool of dice rather than rolling dice of like different amounts like a 20-sided die it's just a bunch of six-sided die which is actually pretty trendy in indie tabletop rpgs right now is to have systems that use just pools of dice so we could do that in some way and i think it would be really cool to implement some sort of way of making it more collaborative rather than sort of uh the dm dictating a story like maybe no dm or the dm just has a more limited role but it's of more of a focus on collaboratively building a story. And I think it would be cool if it was something where the players could affect each other's characters as well. Like not just everyone has their own character that they have full control over, but everyone has some input on sort of the building and the direction of each other's characters, you know? So it's everyone building this story and this world together. That sounds fun. All right, folks, you heard it expect (laughs) (laughs) the rzm rpg no i I don't know but that does sound fun yeah it's just it's fun to think about anyway yeah totally all right well um okay so we have one last question here okay and that is what is your favorite or Oh, let's see. What is your favorite movie or TV show you watched recently? Um, and it doesn't actually have to be favorite. It could just be one that you saw and you want to talk about. Okay. Okay, well, my list is all... St- well, okay, I've watched a bunch of TV shows because we have Netflix and I do that. Wait. But... I, I don't know if people know what Netflix is. <laughs> <laughs> N-E-T-F-L. Okay. But there, as parents of three children, we don't often get to the theater anymore. It's hard. Yeah, that's well, true. Well, three children under seven and under. So I want to see Black Panther so bad. There's yeah. been so much talk, you know, and I was listening to NPR the other day and they were doing a show on Black Panther, but they had all the spoilers in it. So I couldn't listen to it. Mm. And of course, I've been on all of the sites and watched the ratings oh, yeah. and the I'm drama sh- around that. And I just I need to get out there and <laughs> see it so that I can stop observing from the sidelines. But um, I I have watched a couple of TV shows that I've really enjoyed. One, I consumed as sort of a guilty pleasure but then realized that I 
had a pretty high esteem for it as a show. And that is This Is Us. Oh, yeah. Um, fantastic acting, great writing, refreshingly... Uh, I don't know the right word to choose because I don't want to sound like too much of a prude. But um, I, I told Ryan... It's only for intelligent people. No, no, no. No, prude in that, like, I was going to say refreshingly moral. It's not like oh. everything that I watch is super PG. But I really liked that in this show, they explored nuanced and complex characters without constantly making them make really poor choices. You know, like they were faced with decisions and they had, you know, interesting reasoning and motivations and they weren't just these flat, you know, shiny characters, but they were still able to be good people. I feel like sometimes in media we want to explore reality and we want to show the flaws because, you know, in decades past, we've been obsessed with perfection and it's been really damaging, I think, to certain aspects of our society. But, but this was interesting because it's not just showing the flaws. It's showing that you can be flawed and still good. You know, it kind of felt like real life mixed with superhero flicks because superhero flicks are still all about that, right? Like oh, they all have this dark backstory and these inner demons, but they're still trying to do good, you know? <laughs> but it was more of a, you know, toned down, interesting version of that. And then I'll do a really quick plug for The Marvelous Mrs. Maisel. Hilarious. Oh, that's ne uh, No, is it Amazon It's original? Amazon. Amazon original. I... Okay, it's one of those it's one of those series where, you know, some episodes are better than others, but man, it's worth sticking it through for that whole first season. It it's I just can't say enough good things about that show. It's hilarious, well-written, really just stunningly acted. It's it's really worth watching. I actually watched that after you told me about it. Mallory. Oh, you did? Yeah, so I watched so the whole thing Brenda now. So what did Brenda think? I really liked it. Are you going to have a rebuttal? Or, oh, no, okay. I really so liked it. a consensus. It, it was right. good. It was fun. I liked, the, I liked the characters a lot. And definitely some parts of it were a little bit hard to watch because I always have a little bit of trouble with if it's, like, really embarrassment humor or if you're watching someone, like, flop. Like, that's yeah, kind of hard to yeah. watch. Like, but some, but it's it overall... Really good, highly recommended. Yeah, I I can I can think of the scene like maybe you're thinking about oh, where she man. has a really bad well no uh, spoilers comedy skit and it's just so painful yeah. to like watch. Yeah, <laughs> well because the show's yeah. about her developing as a comedian, yeah. right? And yeah. So you have to see that she sucks sometimes. Yeah, I mean, you know, yeah, that yeah, has to hard. that has to be in it because yeah, any any career as a stand up comic, part of that is that you're gonna bomb sometimes, but it's still hard mm -hmm. to watch. Like even if it's yeah. good for the story, it's still a little hard to get through in the moment. <laughs> yeah, you've really gotta have a thick skin. Yeah, I think to be a a comic. Oh my gosh! Can you I imagine? Never do that. Let's imagine <laughs> that as board game designers, we had to take every prototype in its first iteration to a trade show and let people play it, and then like tear it apart. You know, like at least we as yeah introspective creators get to kind of keep everything under wraps until it's ready for show. But that's a good yeah. point. Oh, that's true.
Well, yeah, I have a couple different things I could talk about. So, so the first one is that, so me and a couple of my adult siblings, so my brother David and my sister Rose, so all of us grown-ups, we went to go see Paddington Bear 2 in the theaters. <laughs> and, I've heard that this has just amazing reviews. Yeah, well, that's kind of part of why we went to it, because we were talking about what good reviews it has. And then, like, my brother David started seriously being like, oh, it's going to be the best movie ever, and we have to go see it. And Rose was like, there's no way I'm going to like it. So they ended up, like, making a bet that we would go see it and that David would buy us tickets to see it and that if Rose <laughs> liked it, she'd have to pay him back for the ticket. <laughs> <laughs> so like t 10 p.m on a wednesday we were the only ones in the theater three adults going to see paddington bear 2 none of us have seen paddington bear 1 uh <laughs> that's so funny it was pretty good <laughs> really i'm not gonna lie yeah. like it was a little boring at first but i ended up enjoying it especially there's there's a villain character played by hugh grant who's just so funny He's oh, so funny. Really? Hugh Grant is a villain. Yeah. Interesting. So he's always the droopy-eyed good guy. No, he's he's the yeah. cartoon villain in this one. This is very huh. funny. So yeah, yeah if you, you if know, you have kids or if you're a weird young adult who wants to go see it at 10 p.m., <laughs> Paddington Bear 2 isn't too bad. Pretty good film. <laughs> yeah, the the first one got good reviews too, but I we yeah. haven't seen it. Yeah. So, so actually, Brenna, have you seen Black Panther? I haven't. What? What? We're all I'm Black so Panther because, versions. Oh no! Um, you're, you're like the you. You always seem to see the superhero. I know. I like definitely right like opening day. I do want to see it. Actually, these days, a lot of times with the big blockbusters, I'll wait a little while to go see it. But uh, especially this time, like we're actually getting ready to move right now. So part of it is just that we haven't had any time to go see anything oh, very yeah. recently. But yeah, I'm definitely going to see it when I get a chance. Cool. But, um, yeah, the other one I wanted to talk about was I just binge-watched this show, this new show on Netflix called Altered Carbon. Oh, I saw that. That's oh, I haven't seen it. That's been all over our I, commercial yeah. thing yeah, on yeah. Netflix. I've been thinking How about, is it? It, about it. I have sort of mixed feelings about it because it it's a cyberpunk show, which yeah. uh, you've probably like picked up by up now. It's, yeah, that's definitely in my wheelhouse. I enjoy cyberpunk things. And I'd say that overall, as like a mystery novel, as like a mystery story, it's really good. As a mm. cyberpunk story, eh, not so much. Part of it yeah. is... Is it because they don't use the setting correctly? Or... Yeah, they don't use the setting very well. The setting is also like kind of a big hodgepodge of very clear references like especially the downtown scenes look like they're ripped straight from the original blade runner and it's like oh. kind of like it kind of made me roll my eyes at it a little bit because i'm like you couldn't have changed it even a little bit and like <laughs> so with a lot of stuff like that it's kind of a hodgepodge of different references and it has some interesting ideas but it doesn't take any of them to like their full extent like, it doesn't pursue any of its ideas very well. Yeah. And part of it is I feel like, for me at least, being a good mystery and being a good cyberpunk story are kind of mutually exclusive. 
Because to be okay. a really good mystery novel, you kind of have to explain everything by the end of it. And you understand everything that's happened and why. You get, like, a full mm. picture of it. But when mm -hmm. I think when cyberpunk and, like, any sort of weird sci-fi is really interesting is when it plays with those boundaries of unanswered questions. When it says, right at the end, is this person... like, what is going on? Yeah, exactly. It's like, was this person a real person? Like, what does it even mean to be a person? What is reality? <laughs> so, like, when, it, when you close all of that down and answer all the questions, that becomes so much less interesting to me on that philosophical level. And just, so they don't ask those questions. No, they in don't. This show, and it's okay. weird because they could. Because part of the premise of it is that everyone in humanity now has their whole personality downloaded in what's called a stack that goes into sort of the base of your neck, and you, those oh, you can switch weird. in and out to different bodies, and you're still the same person. And you only actually die for real if that stack is destroyed, but it can also be like copied and backed up. And there can be like multiple versions of you running around. Uh, <laughs> and like, there could be one version of you that has all of your memories, but then like the main version of you dies and loses those memories. Then you go back to your backup and you don't have those memories anymore. There's all this sort of like weird reality stuff, but by the end yeah. of it, it's not actually asking any of the questions. Well, is this person really this person? Like, what, uh, like, are these two copies of the same person, like, actually the same, or are they valid, separate people? Like, all these interesting questions you could ask. Instead, it's like, oh, that's well, this person who you didn't think was this person was this other person, and they just were. And all of these people just were these people, and this person just is dead. And, like, this is what happened, and this is who people are. Instead of sort of leaving those open-ended. Like, so you, yeah. when you leave, you're not, like, thinking about the possibilities or the things that weren't quite explained perfectly. Exactly. You it just, was all explained perfectly and shut down. And, yeah, you just know it all. Yeah. Plus, my favorite character died, and that always makes me sad. Uh, yeah. Yeah. The only thing worse is if you kill the dog. Yeah. You know, <laughs> Don't kill you, the dog. you can kill my favorite character, maybe. Like I'll still hate you, but if you kill the dog, I'm never watching again, ever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um. So they said, let's see if I heard this right. It had one of the highest budgets of anything they've produced. Did it who's, look like that? Yeah, that doesn't. Netflix. Oh, it's a Netflix original. So. Yeah, yeah. Or maybe I'm thinking of a different show. That it could be. It seemed to have it pretty really high. Impressive? It had pretty high production values, and also yeah. like a surprising number of sort of like very recognizable sci-fi actors. You know, just showing up kind oh. of in minor roles. Okay, but, cool. I'll have to check it out. Yeah, I think it. I think it's worth watching if you're like into that sort of thing. It's not particularly deep or interesting like it doesn't bring anything new to the genre but it's a it's an okay version of the genre and if like i said if you like mysteries you'll probably like it okay cool so i'll talk about real real uh real quick a movie we just watched recently um was uh king kong mm. and this is uh <sighs> the 2005 king kong <laughs> how was it and Adrian Brody. Yeah, with Adrian Brody. It's so <laughs> this is Black. a Have you seen this movie, Brenna? I have not. It is a Peter Jackson movie. That's what I thought. Yeah. Yeah, he made it right after he made uh, finished uh, Return of the King. 
and I have been I hadn't seen it for a long time, and I I really wanted to go back and watch it again, and um, it kind of gets a lot of internet hate these days, I think, um, but I actually I like the movie. I think it's a good movie, um, I, and uh, you know a lot of people say it's too it's too long and bloated, and it is pretty long. It's it's like three hours long or something. We watched the, of course, as an extended version because it's a Peter Jackson movie. Yeah, it's by Peter Jackson. <laughs> of course, it's three hours long and has an extended yeah. version. Yeah. And we watched the extended version, yeah. but Ryan didn't tell me that we were watching uh, the extended like, version. Man, so this is, what, this I is missed so the last hour because I had to go to sleep yeah. because I was so tired. So I didn't get to see the ending. Yeah, but uh, no, it. what's cool about it is you know, I like the, I like his Lord of the Rings movies a lot, mm -hmm. and you can definitely tell the same team worked on this one. Mm -hmm. um, you know, it has like similar cinematography and effects, and um, there is this one scene where that people always complain about that looks so green screeny. Uh, yeah, <laughs> it's like the guys like they're on the island and they're running from dinosaurs, and the dinosaurs are like. It's a dinosaur stampede in a canyon too narrow for a brontosaurus. Yeah, so like and, you've got these the like stampede happening <laughs> on top of and like the humans uh, are underneath the dinosaurs. It's, yeah. but on top of that. It's also one of the meanest movies we've watched in a long time. Oh, do you time. mean like, like just like gross? Over and over, yeah. these poor characters are just oh, it's it's terrible. Like... Pummeled. <laughs> There's just one bad thing after another, and I guess it's fair foreshadowing, you know, for a tragic ending. But yeah. at the same time, man, it just gives you no respite. I think the, are... the thing that when I watch it, the thing that um, bugs me the most are the actually the bugs like oh yeah there are so many scenes where these giant bugs are like like on people or eating people or uh, you know and uh it just makes you squirm anyway i think i think it's a better movie than i like it more than people i think the internet does well but... here's the big question in terms of peter jackson movies would you rank it uh above or below the hobbit well, okay. I know. I I think. Oh, I definitely think it's better than The Hobbit. Like, um, as a piece as artistically, a, I think it's really, really um consistent and, yeah. and well, really well consistent. made, well crafted. Yeah, well crafted. Like, there's a lot of great scenes in it. Like, there's a lot of good character tension in the movie. Um. You can complain about this or that, but I actually think it's a well-crafted movie. So. Well, yeah, there's always something to be said about craft, for sure. Yeah, I like it more than the... I actually like it a lot more than the the new King Kong movie that just came out. Um, and and uh, part of it is I like that it's it's set in the, the 20s or the 30s or something. I think it's the 20s. Oh, uh, yeah. And so the setting is, it's pretty cool. Yeah, that so. does sound like an interesting setting. Yep. Spoiler alert, too. Yeah, there you go. Because Ryan's been watching 20s movies. Yeah. <laughs> okay, folks, thanks for joining us. Uh, 
you can visit our website, redravengames.com, or uh, follow us on Twitter at redravengame. You can follow me on Twitter at Brenna underscore Asplund. And you can follow me at the grocery store if you live in <laughs> Sandy, Utah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Uh, come find us at SaltCon if you're going to be there. Yeah, visit us at SaltCon, and um, we will uh, catch you next time. Nevermore. Nevermore.